Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started, all you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese, the Action Network, and I'm joined by my colleague, Mike Ionello. As always, we're back in the saddle. This is our week five, group of five deep dive and a little bit of housekeeping, some fun stuff to report. Our underdog parlay in week four cashed thanks to the hard work of UAB and UTSA. And this is pretty simple. My G5 hero of the week is tied to that monumental comeback by the Roadrunners in Memphis. And it's sincere McCormick carrying the ball 42 times. It struck me as like a, a 1970s kind of uh, veer offense or, you know, student body left, student body right. Almost every play was drawn up for him. I think John McKay was the uh, the former coach who used to say, you know, the ball's not that heavy. So it's not that difficult to carry it 40 times. I would disagree, but he cashed in for three touchdowns over 180 yards on the ground. And what I like is that we talk about competency and teams having a true identity. UTSA down the stretch knew exactly what they were doing. And I'll go ahead and pat myself on the back a little bit. Memphis starting an 18 year old quarterback had an opportunity to lead a drive under five minutes, put them in a position to win the game. Couldn't get it done. The stage seemed a little bit too big for him. So I went with the veteran team and they pull it out of the fire for us and help cash a parlay North of five to one. Who's your G five hero of the week, Mike.
I'm just gonna I'm gonna give a group one here. I'm just gonna give it to Bowling Green. Not only did they win, but they got paid 1.45 million dollars to go to Minnesota as a 31 point underdog and beat them on their home turf. And you know this wasn't a very good App State team. You know App State has proven to be one of the better G5 teams in the country. This wasn't App State beating Michigan. You know Bowling Green hasn't beaten any FBS team since November 2019. And that was Akron. Bowling Green is borderline the worst team in the country. And they just beat Minnesota at home. And they got paid a million and a half to do it. It seems to come up a lot, the idea of getting paid to beat somebody. Just uh, on a personal note, is there any activity you ever take advantage of where you get paid, but actually you're benefiting on top of it? Like, do you ever get to house sit where like the dog's amazing and the house is beautiful and you get paid? Have you ever had an experience where you're getting that double value at the same time? Well, I mean... We get paid by Action Network to win bets. So I guess we're kind of doubling down on that, aren't we? We're getting paid yeah. to watch college football. As always, you've set me up perfectly for my best bet of the week. You mentioned Bowling Green, who statistically is still not very good. And I am more than happy to fade the positivity going for the Falcons right now and go ahead with a team that talk about like us just being all over a team this year. We've picked against Kent state three separate times, twice on, on my side of the show. And you went ahead last week and faded them against Maryland. They're Oh, and three in those spots. So, you know, three straight winners from us. I'm finally ready to embrace Sean Lewis, who thinks that every game is the super bowl coaches. Like he's a total maniac. What's your problem? What's your problem? Darius all thinks it's the Super Bowl. The offense last week, I finally saw what I needed to see. They had their entire receiving core together. Ja'Shawn Polk ends up joining Nakeem Johnson and Cephas. Cephas had a huge game against Maryland, uh, you know, went for over 150 yards receiving. And I think this is finally an opportunity where Dustin Crum puts it all together. He had over 300 yards passing, a clean sheet, no interceptions, no turnovers, had a 25-yard run on a scramble as well. I, I think they finally put it together and survived this gauntlet with the exception of VMI. They had to play Iowa, Texas A&M, Maryland. You know, that's probably by the end of the season, three top 25 teams laying only 16 and a half in the spot against the Falcons, I think is a gift. You know, Bowling Green's only scoring 16 and a half points per game. So even though they shock Minnesota, they do it with just two touchdowns. And I don't think that's going to cut it in, in Mac play. I think they're going to be exposed and I think they're going to get boat raced in a few spots. On top of it, they're 124th in total offense, so it's not like they've been snake bit on third downs or not cashing in in the red zone. They just can't move the football altogether. And then finally, something that I talked about in the A&M game, in the Iowa game with Kent State, Kent State's Achilles heel is they can't stop the run. And that's not going to change because they can't switch up personnel midseason and really you can only do so much from a schematic perspective. Don't worry, Bowling Green dead last in the FBS in rushing. So everything to me is pointing Kent State. I think this is a neck crack game for them. They're going to feel good about themselves and win by, you know, three plus touchdowns. So 16 and a half, I think, is a number to take advantage of. Yeah, like you said, I think Bowling Green's offense is, is still not very good. The only thing that, you know, I will say, to give Bowling Green credit, I don't know that any team has ever had a better addition by subtraction than Bowling Green when Brian Van Gorder retired. I bet you the Bowling Green fans th threw him a retirement party, very similar to Michael Scott throwing a goodbye party for Toby, <laughs> where they were just goodbye, Brian, goodbye, Brian. Because, I mean, look how, look how much better defense looks immediately just by him leaving. I think that's a perfect analogy. And I hope that uh, we can keep the, the office analogies going here and not pull a Kevin Malone and spill our best bet chili all over the floor because 
Last week, we didn't hit either after getting off to just a really hot start. I think we were nine and one to start the year. So let's pair it up with another winner here. Who do you like as your best bet in week five? Yeah, so like you said, we, we need to get back on track with the best bets. So I'm going back to Old Faithful. At this point, we are the Big Bets on Campus podcast, Group of Five Deep Dive, sponsored by WinBet and the Fresno State Bulldogs. I'm going back to our beloved Bulldogs. Look, we all know how much everyone who listens knows how much we love Jake Hanner. He's he's balling out all over the place. 15 touchdowns, two picks. Jalen Cropper is awesome. Leads the country with eight touchdowns. Josh Kelly's been great. Ronnie Rivers has been great. The Hawaii pass defense ranks 112th in the country, and they're 116th on finishing drives. This offense is going to torch them. But for me, what I really liked about this, and what kind of flies under the radar considering how well Hainer's played, the Fresno State defense has been awesome. They rank 26th in passing success rate on defense. They held both Oregon and UCLA under 400 total yards. We've talked about this before. I do not believe in Cordero at all for Hawaii. He's got seven TDs, six picks. I just don't think he's that good. And the biggest thing, too, is Fresno State's defense ranks 14th in Havoc rate this season. The Hawaii offense is 102nd at preventing Havoc. That defense is going to live in the backfield. They're going to force Cordero to make mistakes. The Fresno State secondary has been awesome all season. And, yeah, I think this line's a little low just because people, you know, oh, they're going to Hawaii. They're going to Hawaii. There's going to be no fans there. They really don't have a home field advantage. I don't know that, you know, I don't know what they're factoring in the Hawaii home field advantage, but I think it's too much here. And right now, WinBet is the only book offering Fresno State at minus 10 instead of 10 and a half. So make sure you get that from WinBet right now. Just to, to piggyback on that a little bit, they had their letdown game after the UCLA win, you know, against UNLV. That was a stay away spot for me because I, I think it had letdown written all over it. And then Hawaii on the other side, they cover against New Mexico State, which it was a, a tough melt in the fourth quarter. New Mexico State covering the whole way, and then they get themselves in like a fourth and 35 and decide to go for it like it's NFL blitz, and you can just pick up 35 yards. They don't pick it up. Hawaii scores. They end up covering. It was a sad, sad cowboy situation for me, just kind of being on my lonesome on the range, having put my faith in one of the worst teams in the FBS. Mama put my guns in the ground I can't shoot them anymore So Hawaii getting a little bit of a bump I think is undeserved in that spot, so, so I'm with you. So now we're going to transition to our underdog money line parlay here in week five. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line Parlay. This is one that we've hit twice already this season, and it can be really lucrative if you pair up the right teams. As, as per usual, one is a little bit conservative and one's out there. So why don't we start with the conservative pick before you know people get a little too gun-shy of what we're throwing out here? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play, I would say, a little bit safe. But, you know, you know me, I have to go to a matching game. I'm taking Eastern Michigan plus 120 at Northern Illinois. You know, we kind of faded Eastern Michigan earlier this year. Um, Preston Hutchinson just has struggled kind of early on in the season. They made the quarterback switch. They went to Ben Bryant, who is a transfer from Cincinnati. He started week three and four. He's looked much better. He's completed 65% of his passes, four touchdowns, no picks. He's very mobile, which is good. Something Hutchinson doesn't really bring. This Eastern Michigan team is just very experienced. They returned 21 starters. They have two good running backs in Jawan Hamilton and Darius Boone. 
Offense was great last year at finishing drives. And, you know, their run defense was horrible last year. That was kind of their big issue. But they have looked a little bit better this year. 3-1, and one, you know, beat teams really they, they needed to beat. Beat St. Francis, beat UMass. They, they smoked Texas State last week, which I was, was good to see. And obviously, yeah, their one loss was to Wisconsin. But you kind of have to expect that. And, you know, we've talked about it before. I'm just not a believer in Rocky Lombardi. He's got five touchdowns, five interceptions this year. This Northern Illinois team is still very young. Most of them were true freshmen last year. So now they're just sophomores this year. And Eastern Michigan returns basically all of their starters. So I just, to me, I think Eastern Michigan is the better team. So this is kind of a, a wrong team favorite situation, in my opinion. So I'll take Eastern Michigan at plus 120 against Northern Illinois. We've touched upon it a few times here in the podcast in the, the opening six weeks, you know, dating back to week zero and some of the preseason content. It's interesting that there's been multiple teams that have pulled off the multi QB look, and it's actually been a positive. I know that Hutchinson's been phased out more and more, and Ben Bryant has kind of embraced that QB one designation. But even when they're both playing, they're still moving the football and they're scoring points. So I, I, I like that play there. I teed it up as my pick being a little bit more ambitious, and I, th- I think it's certainly more ambitious. Plus 355, we're talking about the South Alabama Jaguars to knock off Louisiana. And it's pretty simple. When you look at the Sun Belt from the preseason and really you know, a month into the year as we turn to conference play, the Sun Belt was a story of two divisions. The East was loaded, yet App State you had Coastal Carolina, and the West was viewed as a one-team race. Louisiana was just going to take it, cruise into the title game, and they had some of the worst teams in, in the Sun Belt uh, situated there in the West. But I think it's I think there's value here. I mean, I've already plucked Texas State at times this year. You know, they cover against Baylor in a game that they were in it for four quarters. And South Alabama is off to a 3-0 start. Kane Womack, their head coach, has done a really nice job coming down from Indiana. And really, it's come down to transforming their defense, which was, at best, an average Sunbelt defense. At worst, they were just getting punked last year. It's not happening this year. I'm just going to run down some stats real quick. They are first nationally in third-down defense. They are fourth against the run, top 20 in interception and sack rate, and they're forcing three turnovers per game. Now, I understand that they played Bowling Green, who we've detailed, you know, they're not exactly world beaters. They played Southern Mist. They played an FCS school, but they did what they were supposed to do. They won all three of those games. And I think what's nice about what South Alabama is doing is that they finally have a running game to complement Jalen Tolbert, a guy dating back to last year's last five games. He's averaging 132 yards receiving per game. He's a big kid. He's got an NFL future. He's six foot three. Um, he can make explosive plays. He can catch those contested passes, um, you know, breaking games wide open. And Jake Bentley has provided exactly what I was hoping that Jake Bentley would in this in the spot for South Alabama, which is he's been competent. He hasn't tried to win the games on his own shoulders. He's over 60% completions. He only has one interception. So when you pair that with a defense that has been really stout, has done a nice job in terms of you know creating havoc vis-a-vis where they were last year, all of that starts to creep in against a Louisiana team that, in my opinion, what, what's happened is that Levi Lewis has gotten a little bit better. He's put more of the game plan on his shoulders. But this was really a running team that liked to win close games. Losing Trey Regis, losing Elijah Mitchell to the NFL, you know, now working with the 49ers in their backfield, it's just not the same. And their yards per carry has taken a real dip there at 4.1 yards per carry, only 151 yards per game. And because of that, I think you're going to see a familiar script play out, which is the Raging Cajuns letting a team that's not that good hang around. 
dating back to last season, they've played in nine one score games. And it wasn't just, you know, when they took a step up against an Iowa state, they actually won that game, you know, running away. It wasn't against Texas in a game that they got blown out this year. When you look back across their last two seasons, in a lot of cases, you got games against nickel state. They almost lost in week two. Georgia Southern twice, you know, the last two years has been a one possession game. Georgia State, this team has been playing with fire, and I think it's time they finally get burns. I'm going to go with the Jags here. As I always like to ask, you know, when I throw out these picks, is it is it too crazy or just your right level of, of kookiness? I think it's just crazy enough. I, I think, A, it helps that we won our – we hit this last week, so we have a little money in our pocket to play with. You know, I, I feel a lot more comfortable going big game hunting after a win. I've kind of been on the fade Louisiana train a little bit. They got a ton of hype this offseason. I was very happy to bet Texas against them week one. I bet Coastal to win the Sun Belt. So I've kind of been in fade them a little bit already. And like you said, I think the loss of the two running backs has been very noticeable. You know, especially the first couple of weeks, they they looked they like they didn't know who to give the ball to. They were rotating backs. No one stepped up. Levi Lewis was great last year in kind of that do enough to win the game role. He was awesome at it. And, and now that he's the dude he's proven kind of not to be and having a veteran quarterback and Jake Bentley, who's like 35, he's been in college, you know, when he first started at South Carolina, he was throwing passes to guys like Hayden Hurst and Debo Samuel. It's like they've been in the NFL for like three years. Um, I like it. I, I don't think it's that crazy at all, to be honest with you. He's probably got recruited by who Lou Holtz or Steve Spurrier somewhere way back in, in time yeah. for South Carolina was probably getting his in-home visit. Last time he got crazy. It worked. And speaking of crazy, you're going to want to go ahead and consult the updated win odds. But as of right now, it's plus 825 on that parlay. So two games, as our voiceover angel likes to say, turning good weekends into great weekends. Hopefully we can cash in there. Scared money don't make money, you know. And now as a quick reminder to our listeners. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for you guys this season. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. $1,000. So take advantage of this WinBet offer. Just click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get back to the show. The G5 high five here. So the G5 high five round robin for week five. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five! We got five picks here. I'm actually feeling really good about it. We talked in the preseason. We talked in week one and week two, basically saying, hey, stick with us. It's going to be difficult to get consistency and a good feel on a week-to-week basis on some of these G5 teams because they're always playing up in competition and non-conference play. We're finally here, almost in earnest across the board um, for conference play. And because of that, it made it, at least from my perspective, a lot easier to find the value Um, And also looking at teams that the public has been down on, you know, they may limp into conference play one and three or two and two, having taken some some serious high scoring losses to power five teams. Because of that, I think it sets up for some some real value to be mined out of here. Let's go ahead and and tee up your first one as a part of our five pack. Yeah, for my first one, I'm going to go with the I think this is going to be a really fun game. I'm going with Tulane at East Carolina over 64 and a half. To me, this has all the makings of a shootout. East Carolina ranks 97th in passing success rate on defense. Tulane ranks 98th. Both of these teams are allowing over 450 yards per game, 
5.9 yards per play. And both teams have good quarterbacks that I like. You know, Pratt's got 10 touchdowns and two picks on the year. He put up 300 yards last week against a really good UAB defense. ECU has been inconsistent at times, but they put up 561 yards against Memphis, who's also a Marshall who has a very good defense. Holland Ayler threw for 368 yards in that game against Marshall. So, you know, when Ayler's is on, we've seen it. We saw it last year. He, he can light them up. Uh, both of these teams run very fast. They both rank in the top 40 in plays per minute, and they both rank on the outside of the top 90 in tackling. So combine those together, great quarterbacks, really bad pass defenses. I think this, this could be a shootout. Give me over 64 and a half to lane at East Carolina. If I had under in this game from the very moment it starts, I'm sweating it. I need red zone turnovers. I need some some weird inefficiencies to be able to go under that number. Because I agree, both of these offenses can pop. Either one of them, if you told me they scored 40 points in this game, I wouldn't blink an eye. So I, I agree. I think that all the, the upside on this is on the over. For the first one, I'll keep this simple. SMU minus 20 and a half, playing against a South Florida team that had a fly almost all the way across the country to play BYU last week. They get a huge break in Jaron Hall, you know, being a late scratch. And because of that, I think you saw BYU kind of just, you know, fold up shop in the second half. They, they didn't push the, the envelope in the second half. They end up not covering. I don't think it's because South Florida all of a sudden is this stout defense and they're going to have to face an SMU passing attack that has been electric to say the least. Tanner Mordecai, a plug and play guy comes in from Oklahoma has an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. Danny Gray has just been killing teams. He's thrown at least four touchdown passes in his four starts for SMU. He's up to 20 on the season. They are now hitting 9.1 yards per attempt when Mordecai lets it fly. And on top of that, passing plays of 20 yards per or, or more, they're top 10 nationally. So it's not dink and dunk. It's not a spread you out to, to beat you by death by a thousand cuts. This is a team that's going to make chunk plays and because of that, I think they are in a spot to, to score a lot against the South Florida defense, which honestly, I still don't think that they can generate enough pressure to force Mordecai into some mistakes. And, and that's what you've seen from him this year. He's been electric. He's you know pushed the ball down the field, lots of touchdowns, but he has had a decent amount of interceptions. You saw it last week against TCU, kept the Horn Frogs in that game. I think he'll get that cleaned up in this spot. And then finally, the South Florida offense, having watched them a few times this year, when you look at what happened in the opener against NC State, they end up getting shut out. Timmy McLean comes in and he's done a nice job of extending plays, but when he's under pressure, he's turned the ball over. And this SMU team, when you look at the pro football focus rankings for overall pass rush, they're top 20. So even though they haven't got to the quarterback in terms of their raw um, sack numbers this year. They have a lot of hurries and I think they're going to force McLean into some mistakes in this one. So I actually had this at 27 and a half in my power rankings to see it a full touchdown off at 20 and a half. I'll go ahead and take the Mustangs here. What are your thoughts on that one? I had it written down. Um, you know, we talked about early in the year, kind of those, those G5 quarterbacks who were going to fly up the draft rankings this year. We talked about, you know, the Carson Strong, the Dustin Crumbs, the Jay Caners. Aaron Moore guys playing himself in that discussion. He's been awesome. He's just throwing the ball all over the yard. And obviously, you know, Having that Oklahoma pedigree behind him too kind of makes him look a little better as well. So it was definitely on my on my card of consideration. For my next one, I'm back in a team we faded last week. Uh, I'm going with Memphis minus 11 at Temple. You know this Memphis offense has never been the problem. They lead the AAC and with 7.25 yards per play. Freshman Seth Hennigan, who, who wasn't even expected to be the guy, has, has looked really good. You know he's averaging 292 yards per game, nine touchdowns, just one pick. They have three really good running backs they use, Brandon Thomas, Rodriguez Clark, uh, Asa Martin, 
And then obviously we've talked about a lot about, you know, the, the human electric factory that is Calvin Austin, the third second in the country now with, with 533 yards and seven touchdowns. They, they beat a good Arkansas state team. They beat Mississippi state. And then, yeah, they lost last week to UTSA who ran it down their throat. And, and we knew they were going to do that. That's why we called it. Temple's not going to do that. Temple is last in the American in rushing. They're 98th in the country in rushing success rate. They're also 100th in passing success rate. They're expected to start a running back coming into this year. Last year's leader, Iverson Clement, he left the team, so he's gone. Their, their, their quarterback from last year, Anthony Russo, he's off to Michigan State. So, you know, Dewan Mathis is their quarterback. He has not looked good. And, you know, you look at you look into Temple's numbers, and the first thing that kind of jumps out at you that's a bit surprising is their pass defense has been excellent this year. But they've played Rutgers, Akron, Boston College is backup quarterback, and Wagner. So I'm not buying those numbers. I don't think, you know, Rutgers never, Rutgers doesn't even try to pass. Akron is probably the worst passing team in the country. And they played, you know, they held BC's backup in check and then obviously Wagner. So I think this Memphis team is just significantly better than Temple. I think Temple's, you know, probably the worst team in the American, if, if not close to it. Um, so I'll lay the 11 with Memphis. I think they bounce back after that, that tough loss to UTSA. Yeah, seeing a heartbreaking loss like that to UTSA, Really, to me, I think it just validates how good Memphis can be when when they get it all together. To be able to race out to a lead like that and to have that offensive balance, I, I agree. I think Temple is going to be totally outgunned in this spot with a non-existent home field. So th- there's really no reason to get excited about an owl play there. So I like that one. I'm going to turn to one that we may, may disagree on, and this is uh, a name that you've probably heard a few times here on the pod. Bailey Zappi leading the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Zappy. They're perfect against the spread this year. You know, in that very first week, we had a, a few picks team total on the spread against UT Martin. He ends up going ballistic in that game. Since then, I've been on the sideline because, you know, they play Army. I think to myself, that's, that's a tough spot where you could be off the field for eight or nine minutes. They score 35 points. They cover at, you know, in a spot in West Point playing on 9-11, one of the most electric crowds of all time at uh at west point just the fact that they walked into that hornet's nest and were really an onside kick recovery away from winning that game i think is really impressive for wku and then they go and play indiana a team that defensively really should have been able to match up much better against them they score a lot of points there they cover another number and here they come again against michigan state who's coming off an overtime you know victory over nebraska a game that required a miracle that that fluky trick play almost on that punt return ends up getting them tied since overtime they win the game getting 11 points here i think is too much because what do we know about western kentucky they're a top 15 offense in total offense they're top two top three in almost every passing metric so they can really do that through the air and michigan state 81st in total defense but 107th in pass defense i know they played some some good teams in miami you know uh, nebraska was able to move the ball on the ground and through the air but I think this is a red flag game for Michigan State. And another small point, I know there's different coaching staffs and sometimes these historical numbers are of no value to gamblers, but I think this is an interesting fact. Since 2015, Michigan State is dead last in the Big Ten against the spread in non-conference games, seven and 15. 
and talk about a letdown spot and that that weird kind of like sandwich where you're in conference play, but then you're back out into non-conference play. This will mean a lot to the Western Kentucky kids. I'm not sure you're going to see the the same kind of energy out of the Spartans. I know exactly what I'm getting out of, of Zappi and the aerial attack. So I'm going to go ahead with them. I like the 11. I had this at seven and a half. So to cross over that key number of 10, I think that's where the value is. If you disagree with me, that's fine. Maybe we can get a, a mini bet or a, a, another conference flag bet on the table. But talk me out of, hypothetically, this Western Kentucky play. We can't see eye to eye. There ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me and we just disagree. Look, I love Bailey Zappi, and I hate having to go against him here. Hey, we're a team here. I'm rooting for Western Kentucky now because I want the G5 High Five Week 5 to do very well. But this makes me super nervous. I know you're, you talked about Michigan State's you know, passing success rate, and that is concerning. But they also have a 27th best coverage grade, according to Pro Football Focus. So you know their corners have been covering guys well. For me, this comes down to the trenches. I think it's going to be Big Ten football, bully ball. Mich- you know, in the end, doesn't really play that style, but Michigan State certainly does. Michigan State is first in the country in rushing success on offense. Kenneth Walker has been a beast. He leads the country in rushing. He's he's a man possessed. Western Kentucky is 127th in rush defense. Michigan State is going to absolutely run it down their throat all game long, and the Hilltoppers are not going to be able to stop them. I just think this is going to get, you know, Michigan State is just going to push them around both sides of the ball. Peyton Thorne has been surprisingly good for Michigan State. Ten touchdowns, just one pick. So he's clearly taken a big step forward, which is big for them. I don't know. I just, I'm nervous about this one. I'm, I'm rooting for you. I, I hope you cover for the podcast's sake. But I think this could get ugly. I think Michigan State just bullies them. I probably should look through the cameo library to see what Michigan State quarterback I can pay to, to wish you well and backing the Spartans here. Maybe a Tony Banks, a Jeff Smoker. Probably can't be Rocky Lombardi the amount of times I've, I've ripped him on this podcast. <laughs> we need one more. I'm going to go with UTEP. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Listen, the Miners, I believe if they win this week, they will have surpassed their win total for the entire season. So not a lot of people were buying on, uh, you know, West Texas, the pride of West Texas. In this spot, they're a much better team. The reason why I think they're a much better team is because due to some injuries and some shuffling in their backfield, they had to grow up quickly through the passing game. And they have. Hardison and Jacob Cowling have connected in a major way. He's over 10 yards per attempt. Cowling is 23.4 yards uh, per reception, which is top five nationally. And now that Hankins is back, he hasn't even really been needed. When you look at their performances against New Mexico State and New Mexico, in both of those wins, he was either injured or, or limited. So I think this is a UTEP team that is still being undervalued. It, it's pretty rare to see the minus next to, to UTEP. I think last week they were minus one. It's all the way up to five and a half. But this is an ODU team that got their heart broken last week against your your darlings, you know, the Buffalo Bulls. Missing that extra point could have pushed it into overtime. That's a gut punch. And for a team to then have to travel halfway across the country for a game that's, um, I, I think there's an interesting home field advantage in the Sun Bowl. And finally, UTEP has a little bit of juice. So I think you'll you'll see the crowd give them a little bit of, of a bump here. And I mentioned a few times my power rankings when I was consulting it. This is purely on that. I had them minus nine and a half, minus 10 right on that line. So to go under the key number of a touchdown, five and a half, give me the minors. I, I'm ready to keep rolling with them. 
Yeah, it's one of those ones I really don't have a feel for, but I trust you. But I know we backed UTEP before. Uh, did we take them last week, I think? Yes, so, we did. They were able to handle perfect. New Mexico, I think, 20 to 13. So kind of a pillow fight there. But uh, the defense, once again, bowed their neck, surprisingly good against the run. Uh, I think you'll continue to see that this weekend. Minor Nation. Any final thoughts on the G5 slate? Maybe something that was left on the cutting room floor that was just close to, to being a bet that you wanted to pull the trigger on. I kind of like Marshall laying 10 against Middle Tennessee. The one thing, I don't know that I'm going to bet this, but I just wanted to mention it. As the group of five, you know, stands at the Action Network, it's pretty wild that a G5 team is laying points at Notre Dame. An undefeated top 10 rank, you know, not some, not some, you know, fluky Notre Dame. They're undefeated top 10 in the country, and they're a home dog against a G5 team. I think that's pretty cool. Think if I was going to bet that game, that, I, that is obviously kind of the headliner this week for, from the G5. I like that first half under 24 and a half. We don't even know Notre Dame's quarterback's going to be. So, you know, whether it's Drew Pine, uh, the pride of Connecticut or, or whoever, we see some feeling out between two really good defenses. So I may end up playing that first half under 24 and a half. But then I think it's awesome that G5 teams laying points at Notre Dame. I think that's a great play, to be honest. I think that deserves the designation of a, an added bonus play on our slate. Right, throw it out. We're throwing it on the card. Yeah, I'm locking it in now. We're Lock th- it up. We're throwing it on. First half under 24 and a half. Your logic stands up. On top of it, you have Freeman now the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. So I see that certainly, you know, coming out of the blocks. If anyone knows how to corral you know, Desmond Ritter and this Bearcat attack, you would think it would be him. And Notre Dame, their top 10, it's not fluky. Their performance against Wisconsin couldn't have been flukier with, with all the fourth quarter scores. So I think that really dresses up the fact that they're still dysfunctional on offense. The The offensive line has taken such a step backwards that Kyron Williams, who I thought was, you know, headed towards a borderline first round NFL draft pick evaluation, can't get out of the starting blocks. So if, if Cincinnati is able to bottle up the running game, it's going to be on the shoulders of a backup quarterback. I, I think under in the first 30 minutes is absolutely the play. So I love that one. And I'll just tack on one final thought. You mentioned Fresno earlier. I love their team total over 37 and a half as well. I just think that's, you know, the, the pure matchup of Hayner and Cropper and really Ronnie Rivers in the passing game as well out of the backfield. They're going to eat up that Hawaii pass defense. So I, I like them in that spot to go over 37 and a half. All right, for those in a hurry, we will quickly summarize our picks with the help of our tremendous voiceover lady, Tina. For our best bets, we are going with Kent State, minus 16 and a half. The Kent State Golden Flashes. Fresno State, minus 10. The Fresno State Bulldogs. For our G5 High Five Round Robin for Week 5, we are going with Tulane and ECU, over 64 and a half. The Tulane Green Wave, over. SMU, minus 20 and a half. The SMU Mustangs, Skip Holtz knows how to cover. Memphis, minus 11. The Memphis Tigers. Western Kentucky, plus 11. The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, the pride of the Commonwealth. And UTEP, minus five and a half. We're talking Minor Nation. For our G5 Moneyline Underdog Parlay, we are taking Eastern Michigan plus 120. The Eastern Michigan Eagles. And Big Game Hunting on South Alabama plus 355. The South Alabama Jaguars. And if you combine those, it's a payout at win bet at 825. 
And we have two bonus bets today. We have we're taking the under 24 and a half in the first half between Cincinnati and Notre Dame. And we're doubling down on the Bulldogs, taking the Fresno team total over 37 and a half. Ooh, baby. Looks like 11 and 0 to me. And that is it, it for the uh, the Group of Five Deep Dive here on the Big Bets on Campus podcast, week number five. A reminder to our listeners that Sucky and Colin Wilson will be back Thursday night into Friday morning is when the episode will drop. It's the full slate, the full buffet, G5, Power 5, Independence. They're covering every single game. They go so far in depth. You can't miss it before you put together your Saturday card. So be sure to check, to subscribe, to like, to comment, do all those things. It certainly helps us here at the Action Network, and we appreciate you listening. This has been the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet. 